prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is the Legend of Retro. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of The Legend of Retro. I am The Glitch, and uh, I received something strange. It's a scroll, and it's from the king, and apparently he needs my help. A dark prince has been released, and uh, they don't know what to do, so they're looking for people to help. I, I don't know if I can help them, but... <laughs> what? What is that? <laughs> oh no. I am the Dark Prince Craig WK. With another invitation. I'm one of your heroes. Oh, nice. Let's do this. We can do this. <laughs> I was like, uh, dear King, I regret to inform you. No, <laughs> uh, I won't be doing that. No, that's too creepy. <laughs> so today we are doing little samson for the nes craig what's going down with little samson yeah so this was developed by takeru for the nintendo in november of 1992 this valuable action platformer stars four heroes who must band together to defeat the evil dark prince yep it uh there's a lot that kind of like evolved around this game over the over the years uh when did you first play this I have something startling to let you know. I've never, never really, played it? I've never played it. I never rented it as a kid. It was never at the video store. I certainly didn't own it uh, because if I owned it, I might be retired by now. So, so I obviously, I played this as a kid. We rented this. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we didn't get a Super Nintendo until years into the the release in the United States. We probably had the NES as our main uh, console, probably into like 92, 93. Cause I remember we used to, we actually had rented the Super Nintendo back when you could do that, the rental store. Uh We had done that with the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis from time to time, but we didn't own it until like, I mean, my, I remember one Christmas we had the front loader and for Christmas we had gotten the top loader. Well, me, a young glitch i was i was like oh my god my mom got us a super nintendo it looks really weird but it's a super nintendo look you can put the cartridge on the top and i was like oh this is just for the nes which i'm thankful because the top loader is extremely useful uh but yeah like i think that's a big reason as to why like i have played more nes games than super nintendo and like uh i i play these obscure kind of like rarer games because i was still renting the nes games when everyone was now on moved on to the super nintendo uh yeah for me i was the opposite uh the that christmas the super nintendo came out that was the big christmas present that year was a super nintendo and a few of the games uh from like everybody in my family like it was that was like what everybody got me was the super nintendo and like uh i think it was mario world that came with it and then f-zero and pilot wings I mean, that's a great Christmas right there. No, it was the best, uh, you know, arguably. Uh, Right. But, uh, yeah, so I never really played some of the more obscure Nintendo games. In fact, uh, uh, I think I've mentioned this on the show before. Uh, A lot of my Nintendo games are MIA. My mother loaned them out to, like, a friend of the family's uh, girlfriend, and her like son had just gotten a Nintendo. They didn't have a, like a ton of money. And my mom was like, Craig, be the bigger person and share. And I was like, <laughs> I better get these gosh darn, because I didn't swear back then, these gosh darn Nintendo tapes back, Ma. And she was like, Oh, they'll you'll be fine. I'll pay, I'll get you the replacements if it happens. And for the record, my mother has still never given me the replacements on any of those games. <laughs> There's still time, Craig. I'm I'm not holding my breath at this point. It's been <laughs> uh, uh, thirty years almost. Uh, yeah, no, nah, it ain't gonna happen. That uh, hurts me so much because I I don't know what I would have done because I think that's the whole reason I got e- even into the collecting was because we had so many throughout the years and we kept them, whereas everyone else was either passing them along or things oh, like that. Oh, glitch! We're talking <laughs> the gold cartridge of Legend of Zelda. 
We're talking uh, Mega Man 3. Uh, we're talking uh, not probably a lot of rarer games. I don't think that they would have been valuable at this stage. Uh, but there were quite a lot of games that just, they're gone. Uh, gone forever. 720 Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Uh, since you mentioned rare, I think I'll just straight out the gate go ahead with maybe people who know this game, the topic they're waiting for is the fact that this game is crazy expensive right now. So do you, are you familiar with the price it's at right now? I know that it was hundreds of dollars many years ago. Uh, I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say it's gone way up. How much is it? Uh, so currently, it's roughly around thirteen dollars to $1,500. Oh, good Lord almighty. I kind of wish I'd got it when it was like 200 bucks. So, so this is the story. And like when I was in college, that's when I got heavy into buying them. I was working two jobs. I lived at, lived at home. So, I mean, basically all my money went to eBay. I was probably spending like thousands of dollars a month on getting retro games. Disposable income. For you, it was retro games. For me, it was manga. I totally get it. Yep. And so what happened was I played this game as a kid. I, I, you know, I loved it. And I remember going on eBay one day and looking up the price of it. Now, at the time, NES games, if they were going for more than 50 bucks, that was expensive. Mm-hmm. So we're talking like 2006. Um, buying all these games for a buck. I mean, Nintendo games were going for like a buck, five bucks on average. Yeah. And I found a little Samson on eBay. It was great condition. And it was $60. And I was like, man, I really want this game. It was it was so great. I'll, I'll bite the bullet. I'll buy it for $60. I remember buying it and being like, I can't believe, cannot believe <laughs> I just spent $60 on an NES game. And if you look at like the price graphing chart in like six years, so by like 2020, you know, 2012, it had already reached a thousand dollars. Oh, yeah. It just for for some reason, it just skyrocketed and is now considered one of the most expensive games on the NES that isn't like a, you know, Nintendo World Championship or mm-hmm. or something like a six and one, like those really odd number ones, like a, an actual licensed game. This is like one of the top three. Yeah, it was a, a late Nintendo title. I, I can only imagine they didn't make that many copies of it because it was a late release for the Nintendo. And uh, I don't know that they thought it was going to be like a super huge hit. Well, so here's the thing about the game. It's not as rare as it the price would make you assume because really? I think the reason this game costs so much is a lot of the rare games that are out there are really crappy games. Like you got games like Zombie Nation and I mean, Panic Restaurant's okay, but a lot of the games that are super rare, Cheetah Men, things like that, they're really crappy. Now, this game is great. I think the controls are amazing. We'll get into the gameplay, but like, I think the combination of the two, the fact that it's sort of rare, you know, it had a light, a late life cycle, like you said, or late, you know, release, like you said, and it didn't have good advertising. And that's the reason why it didn't sell as well. But there are a lot of copies of this game. It's not hard. You can go on eBay and find several copies on sale right now. So it's not super rare. But the fact that it's such a great game, I think, is the reason why it's so expensive. I could see that. I could definitely imagine that. Uh, so so let's talk about the... the I, well, I guess let's chat about the story a little bit. Not that there's a whole lot to it. We kind of already went over it. Uh, uh, the, the Dark Prince appears... Uh, with yeah. awesome sprite art, by the way. The the intro oh, to that yeah. game looks real rad. Well, the great thing about it is there's no dialogue for this. The entire mm-hmm. game has zero dialogue. So it's basically telling you the story through the animation. And uh, I'm sure it saved him a lot of money on translation. They didn't have to worry <laughs> so much. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, they, uh, uh, you know, guards go out to take care of the Dark Prince. And he just obliterates them. Oh. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Snaps his finger like a, like a Marvel supervillain and they gone. And I, uh, I, and so, yeah, the king is like, oh crap. Uh, I don't want to fight this thing. Send word to the four heroes. We presume they're four heroes. Maybe he just sends them out at random. We don't really know. But I, uh, I, uh, four different characters, little Samson, I uh, let's see who else is there. There's uh, Kikira the dragon, right? Yep. Uh, Gam the golem and Ko the mouse. 
Yep. Uh, who band together and decide they're going to kick some Dark Prince butt. And uh, essentially, mechanically, the way it works, which ties us back into the how the game goes, uh, you essentially just switch between characters, and they have their own life bars, right? Yeah, so it, if it, it's kind of reminiscent, reminiscent of the first Turtles game, where you could swap between the characters... And they had their own life bar. So if someone was running low on health, you just swap to another character and play them for a little while on the stage until, you know, you beat the level. But each character had their own, like, unique traits. So the game actually starts off where you play uh, a level only playing that one character. So you play four levels at the beginning of the game where you're essentially it's like their journey to the castle. And so you get to learn each character's traits, like little Samson, he he can run, you know, he can run, he can jump pretty high, he can climb walls and climb ceilings. And then you, you know, the next stage you play the dragon, where oh, you can fly with this character. And he shoots like a like an arching firebolt. And then the golem, oh, he's slow, but he can step on spikes. And then the mouse is ridiculously fast and is small enough to get into areas where the other characters can't. So like you find out. Oh, you know, when I get to this part in a level, I'll need to switch to this character. So I think it's an awesome introduction to like how the game is played. And then you learn as you go through like, oh, there's a small area. I got to switch to KO the mouse, who, by the way, is like super OP in this game. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Because his like, I guess his attack, it's like he places bombs. You can only place three bombs, but it, the way the game works, it does like so much damage per frame that the speedrunners are basically they play as KO the entire time. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, that's funny. I didn't even, wouldn't have even thought that. Uh, so, uh, so with the gameplay, uh, you had said that the controls are pretty tight. We've yep. said that the, the graphics are gorgeous. It's a late-life Nintendo game, and they had perfected that sprite art. Like, it looks phenomenal. Yeah, like, it was at this point where you start to see, like, the, the games were so, they were using, utilizing the NES so well. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't looking like the original Mario Bros anymore. It wasn't so much, you know, the crappy eight bit only only so many color palettes. It's now like this whole giant adventure. And like we, you know, like we were talking about the introduction. There's no text, but you can understand the story just by how that's how it's animated. Mm-hmm. It um, but the game. So the sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it, the sprite art almost reminds me of like Shovel Knight, like the backgrounds and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah, actually. You know, yeah, that's good. It's it, a good comparison. Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, Shovel Knight might be styled that way, but I don't think Shovel Knight was, like, restricted to, like, Nintendo hardware to make it look like that. It was just essentially that's the style they went with. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with uh, Little Samson, like, yeah, back in the early 90s, like, that's pretty crazy that they pulled off a game looking that good with those limitations. Mm-hmm. And so the game is just a standard platformer. Mm-hmm. And it does have like similar elements to to Mega Man, which is a name that's thrown around a lot. But I think the the idea was platformers were basically like half the games on the NES, anyways. Yeah, there were a ton. But I mean, if you look at the success of Mega Man, I mean, how many how many video game series have six games released on the same system? Not a whole heck of a lot, man. I can't think of any honestly that all it released might be on the one only system. One. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to try and copy something, I mean, might as well do what sells. Well, it's funny that you bring up Mega Man because Takeru, the company that developed this, was ex-Capcom employees. It was a bunch of employees that uh, had worked on previous Capcom games and they kind of wanted to do their own thing. And so they set off and unfortunately, Takeru didn't really take off, which is unfortunate. Uh, because, you know, I, I don't because I think they might have done that panic restaurant you mentioned earlier. Um, I don't think that was one of theirs. They had only made like three games. Sadly, this was their last game before really? they uh, were defunct. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned panic restaurant. I want to say so the, the correlation between this game and panic restaurant is that they're both um, Tato's. Taito published games. Oh, so this Taito, is published yeah. by Taito. Yeah, sorry, Taito. And what's funny is they were still releasing before they used to make games. So, like, they're known for games like uh, Bubble Bobble and 
uh, Space Invaders. Like those were their big games. Yeah. A lot of arcade stuff. That was the most of the stuff they released in the 70s and 80s. By this time, they were kind of just mainly doing publishing. So they published a lot of games. And that list of super rare games, most of them are are Taito's. So like you have, where is it? So Bubble Bobble Part 2 is super rare. Power Blade 2, Panic Restaurant, and Flintstone Surprise at Dinosaur Peak. Like those are like in the top 20 rarest games on the NES, along with Little Samson. Interesting that a good chunk of them are just from Taito. Well, like, you know, because they're still, I mean, they hadn't really gone into the Super Nintendo market. They were still just doing this, like, oh, we'll publish this game for you on the NES, even though, you know, it's kind of a dying market. You're not going to get a big release, but they'll still, you know, put their hand out there, I think was the idea for them. I gotcha. Because then they were eventually bought out by who absolved them? I want to say it was like Square Enix, right? Oh, shoot. Uh, it certainly might have been. I actually don't know off the top of my head what company got a hold of Taito. I'm not sure. I'm going to look that up really quick. Yeah, take a peek into that. Uh, but uh, yeah, all in all, Little Samson is a, a super charming game that absolutely breaks the bank. Like that is the only downfall of Little Samson is uh, the fact that, yeah, it, it's just, you know, really expensive to get the physical card. Uh, but uh, did you yeah. find out? Yeah, 2005, uh, purchased by Square Enix. Square Enix, okay. Yep. Hopefully we can get that uh, wonderful uh, Final Fantasy bubble bobble crossover with uh, <laughs> featuring little Samson characters at some point. Uh, but I, what, what seems a little odd to me is, uh, and I don't necessarily think this would have hurt it any, uh, but uh, the, the Japanese title of the game isn't little samson it's something involving like bells i think i don't remember the name off the top of my head it is uh lykel l-i-c-k-l-e like well well, i think that's little samson's character name in japan but is that what the game is called yeah that's what the game when you see the title screen that's what it says oh okay i because the 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 name little samson almost sort of makes you think it could be biblical, right? And I think they talk a little bit about the fact that they think that might have hurt the sales because people thought it had a lot to do with Samson and, you know, with the Bible, but it didn't. No. (laughs) So I think that might have hurt them by having that name, little Samson. Well, I mean, let's face it. The Nintendo did have some bootleg religious games, but here's the thing is like, if you had gone to me as a kid and you were like, man, don't you hate those bootleg religious Nintendo games? I'd have been like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I'm saying heck because I don't swear. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know that that would have actually hurt them in the long run. Like, I, I think that it, there is a certain connection in your head when you hear Samson. It's certainly for a religious household. Right. Like, were there that many households where, like, Samson was like such a big deal that it's like, oh, I don't want a religious Nintendo game. I mean, obviously, as kids, like, I don't think I ever made that correlation. And the other thing, too, was I wasn't buying the games. Right. It was, you know, my parents or someone like that. So I don't know if maybe they thought parents were kind of straight away from that. I have no idea. You would almost think that parents would flock to something that could, well, I mean, not all parents, of course, that's a generalization, but like, you know, your cliche suburbanite religious parent you know you would almost think they'd be like oh yeah samson oh yeah he gets his hair cut and he loses his power all right let's uh, let's uh, throw this in here kids will love it yeah. it's a haircutting simulator right <laughs> he's weak without his hair i i think that's how this game is going to work well we'll give it to our uh, uh kids and uh you know they'll they'll really really appreciate uh having to you know style what hat they want to wear you know, with their uh, new haircut. Uh, so one of the other wonderful things about the fact that there is no dialogue and they do an ex- exceptionally well job telling the story. There's a part in the beginning, once all four characters reach the king, they're supposed to collectively get into this bell, which is essentially the essence that allows you to switch between characters. There's a part in the game where you lose the bell. So Samson's on his own for an entire stage. Um, 
But so they're all getting into this bell and the dragon knocks the bell out of the way. And it's kind of like, no, I want to run things. This game isn't called Little Samson. It's Kiri the Dragon. Well, let's showdown. So you have to actually fight the dragon before you start the adventure. <laughs> That's pretty rad, actually. Yeah. Uh, I, I appreciate that they could put that much character into their silent protagonists, you know, uh, because let's face it, uh, if that was a game nowadays, you know, not to rag on current gen gaming, but like it would have been like a depressing flashback. The dragon would have been like, nobody puts me in a bell. And there would have been like crappy voice acting. And like the hero would have been like, but we need to put you in the bell, Mr. Dragon. And Kakira or whatever. It'd be like, no, I, I, my parents were slain by bells as a child. I won't do it. And it would have been like a four hour debacle when in this game, it's just like, nah, no, don't like bells. And then you fight. <laughs> don't do it, Gary. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. The thing I thought you would like the most about this game is the boss uh, artwork. Yes. So I, did you get to see like all the boss battles and everything? I, I took a look through uh, and I glanced through pretty quick. Uh, but yeah, the, the sprite art in general uh, of all the bosses and stuff, I thought were real cool. Because they, I mean, essentially the boss battles have like two stages. You fight a wizard of some sort, and then you see his like true form, which is either like a gross like beast man or a giant dragon. Real uh, cool. Yeah. So it's it that's one of the coolest things that are like, oh yeah, fight this wizard guy, no big deal. And then all of a sudden you're like, just like this monster comes right at you or the floor the floor falls away and it's it's i think that's a lot of the comparison for Mega Man 2 is uh there's a stage essentially where you're fighting a dragon on three blocks which is exactly like the wily stage in Mega Man 2 yeah absolutely that is super close i didn't even i didn't even put that together but you're right that uh that's oddly close to Mega Man 2 which i can't say that the staff at Takeru uh Takeru uh, worked on Mega Man 2. I don't know off the top of my head, but it is pretty odd that the staff from Capcom <laughs> happened to have a dragon that they fought on three little pillars. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a little weird. I think there might have been some influence, you know. Just a pinch a of... Uh, a little bit. Yeah, just a, a sprinkle of uh, influence. <laughs> so dusting a little bit. Yeah, just a, just a tiny little pinch. Um. So... Like I had mentioned, the game is great. Uh, IGN had released a top 100 NES games, and it made the list, barely, uh, at 93, which I think says a lot because it's a rare game, and I think that kind of attests to the fact that it is a great game. It made the top 100. I think that... Uh, yeah, that's. I would say that's pretty solid. There were a lot of games on the Nintendo. Uh, I would I would be curious to go through that top 100 list, perhaps in a... Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, a Legend of Retro special at some point. I will admit I didn't get any further than 93, so uh, I'm still unaware of what is the top number one. I'm not going to lie. Even if, even if I had read through that list at some point, I can't imagine I would have remembered it. Because uh, as of right <laughs> now, I'm operating under the uh, memory that I have not looked at it. Uh, so uh, shout out to uh, all the fans of Legend of Retro if that's something that you think that you'd like us to cover. Uh, go ahead and jump in our Discord. If you go to GameZillaMedia.com, there's a link to our Discord there where you can jump in and chat with us about retro gaming, and you can let us know if you want us to cover the, uh, what was it, IGN Top 100 Nintendo Games? Yep. Yeah, that's. Uh, it kind of sounds fun, but heck if I know, you guys are going to have to let us know. Uh, but uh, Glitch, uh, aside from the that Top 100 list, uh, is there any... Uh, 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 fun speedrunning stuff about this game. It strikes me that it should be fairly interesting if they're uh, mouse-dropping bombs like Mouser in Mario 2. Yeah, so there is a, some speedrunning stuff, and actually this game was historically known for speedrunning earlier than, you know, some of the other rare NES games. Uh, you know, it's been featured on Games on Quick for several years and infamously done by White Hat and Toad, who are big NES speedrunners. Uh, they once had the number one spot at one time, but now it is currently held by a man named Darth Dreads. Sounds and cool. if you watch him, he has really long dreadlocks and he wears a Darth Vader hat. 
That's pretty so, rad. I could get behind that. Would you like to give a guess at the uh, time for that? It's oh. uh, any percent easy because there is an easy and normal mode. Any percent easy. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, 24 minutes. Eight minutes and 48 seconds. Good Lord. How? Oh. And it's basically as soon as you get KO is part of your mem- uh, one of your members. You basically play him the entire way. You fight him in all the boss battles, and and that's about it. A lot of it has to do with zipping, though. So one of the tricks they use it's an out of bounds zip. Uh, for people who aren't familiar with zipping, it's it's basically you put yourself out of bounds but still on the screen, in a way that it like any movement kind of just like shoots you to the top of like a a level or all the way to the right. Uh, if you've ever seen, and not to constantly bring up Mega Man, but it's a great example for this. Uh, if you've ever seen some Mega Man games, they'll go up to like the top part of the screen where they're still kind of on the stairs and move to the right. And it'll just kind of shoot them all the way across to the end of the stage. Oh, it's essentially okay. what they do. And they found out a way that if you position the screen a certain way, instead of going to the next screen in the stage, it just puts you right to the boss battle. So in some oh. stages, it's literally one screen. They'll go out of bounds, zip to the end, and they'll put them right at the boss battle for that stage. I gotcha. Okay. Which is... As you can imagine, extremely useful. Yeah, I would, I would, I would uh, wager a guess to say that that's useful in speed running. And I do have to give a big shout out to Darth Dreads for this fact. Uh, there are ten categories in this game. Uh, there's an easy mode and a normal mode. Uh, normal mode, by the way, uh, does have the true ending of the game. Easy mode doesn't have the final castle. Like once you beat it on easy mode, it kind of reveals that there was a castle that kind of developed but you don't really see what happens to it. You just get the credits. If you play it on normal mode, when you get back to there, you see like this castle rises out of the sea. And then you, you jump into the castle and you fight the, the actual boss who is the dark prince. I got, but, um, so there's 10 categories. He has first place in every single one of them. Seriously. So big shout out to him. Wow. That's a, that's a feat. Very hard to accomplish in most games that have like multiple categories seriously but yeah i couldn't really find any other glitches other than the zipping the zipping seemed like the most useful and you know common one of all yeah i mean i i guess jetting across the the levels to get to the boss is all that's about needed i but i which i tell you what uh let's go ahead and take a brief pause And we'll hear a word from one of our partners. And when we're back, we'll get to the music. Imagine being stuck in a room for days, far from your friends and family while feeling sick and scared. Now, imagine being in that same room, but having access to online gaming, virtual reality, 3D printing, Lego robotics, and the ability to create your own Twitch channel. At CS Mott Children's Hospital, we use video game technology to improve our patients' lives and help them reach their therapeutic goals but we can't do it without your help. Every device and interaction provided to our patients is paid for by the thoughtful donations of gamers like you. If you want to help, then go to tiltify.com slash mottchildren. That's T-I-L-T-I-F-Y dot com slash M-O-T-T children. There, you can make a one-time donation, or if you're a content creator, learn how to stream for Mott. So if you want to help other gamers like you, please visit tiltify.com slash mottchildren and play for the little victors. All right, Glitch. So, uh, the music in this game was composed by Yoshiji Yokoyama, Yuki Marikawa, and Tsukasa Masuko. Uh, What's weird is Yokoyama and Marikawa, to the best of my knowledge, have only ever worked on Little Samson. Uh, They might have been, like, sound programmers for, like, other games and stuff, but as far as composing, I think Little Samson's about it. Uh, But... Uh, Tsukasa Masuko uh, has worked on a, a bunch of odd games, and I, aside from one of them, I don't know if you're very familiar with them. Yeah, shoot, shoot them at me. Uh, he's worked on a bunch of the Shin Megami Tensei games. That sounds really familiar. Uh, Ultra difficult uh, RPG series that uh, barely has ever left Japan. Uh, the the done from the same people that brought Persona. That's probably what it was. I was going to ask if that has anything to do with Persona. Yep. Uh, he also did the music uh, for uh, 
let's see, uh, Major League Baseball on the NES. Okay. And then Magical Vacation for the Game Boy Advance, which never came to America. Can't say I've ever heard of that game. I... Uh, it's a very interesting game. I always wanted it brought to America. It was uh, done from a company called, oh, I think it was Brownie Brown, uh, or just Brownie. I don't remember now. Been a while since I've thought of them. Uh, but the people who did the uh, like art for the Mana games worked on uh, 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 that. I, I think uh, some people who worked on like Earthbound went on to like oh, okay. uh, have a hand in in the. Uh, magical vacation games if i remember right i could be out of my mind uh but i could have sworn some of the people who did like mother three went on and uh did that magical uh, vacation games were they trying to get to wally world would you be would your mind totally be blown if i told you yes <laughs> if you said yes i'd be like holy crap it's it's the japanese adventures of how to get to wally world how did you know i <laughs> uh, so what Gooch and I have here for you is uh, kind of odd. Normally, we choose some of the themes in the game that we think are standout uh, songs or just our personal favorites. Uh, in this case, in Little Samson, a lot of the music in the game is dependent upon what character you're playing as. Uh, so each of the four heroes have their own theme. And so what we're going to do is play you a little bit of each one of those uh, heroes themes. Sound good? Yep. Awesome. Let's, let's do it. Yeah, let's go ahead. And uh, first up is Little Samson's theme. Let's give it a listen. Samson's theme, uh, which is quite fun. It's, uh, uh, you know, kind of adventurous. It's uh, uh, has a lot of spirit to it, like, you know, kind of just sort of fills you with that uh, kind of feeling of adventure. Yeah. And I love the percussion like in this and you'll you'll see it in the rest of the songs. There's a lot of like drumming and a lot of like snare in there. And I think that's what helps get your like blood going with these songs. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Uh, so next up, we have uh, the theme of that bell hater, uh, Kikira. Let's go ahead and give it a listen. Thank you. 
theme of Kikira. Yeah, that's a, you know, you see a lot of influence in these. And I think like maybe a lot of people coming from Capcom, you do hear like that Capcom kind of style in these songs. Oh, I think so. I, 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 I mean, it isn't to say that the composers were certainly working for Capcom because I don't know that the composers were. Right. Uh, but regardless, yeah, there's certainly uh, uh, it. It feels like it could fit into a, uh, a Mega Man game. Maybe not necessarily a Robot Master stage, but maybe like intros to the game or something similar. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have the theme of Gam, who is the uh, Golem guy. Uh, slow one. Let's go ahead and uh, give it a listen. Which, honestly, short of the theme of Little Samson, I feel like it might be the most fitting character theme. Uh, mostly just because of how kind of like almost it, the song feels lumbering. Like it's sort of like like a slower song. Yeah, absolutely. I hear that too. Um, I think, and what makes me upset is I never thought about these for the character theme bracket that we did, you know, a couple seasons ago. Oh, man, I would have picked Gom's theme. Like, that is such a great track right there. I, yeah, and, I think, uh, uh, go on. I was going to say, uh, you know how Xander will find a way to, like, work words into a song? Like, when he hears a song, he, like, works. Like, oh, yeah, I could hear them saying, like, you know, this sentence during this part. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I hear that, too, with this one. Like, I hear, uh, I don't want to pay for that. Like, when they when they get to the melody part of the song. I think like the game's so expensive. I don't want to pay for that. I don't want to pay for that. I uh, what a coincidence. I don't either. Uh, I uh, yeah, but don't think I'll be adding little Samson to my collection anytime soon. So I'm with Gam on that one. I uh, but I uh, let's go ahead uh, glitch and listen to the final character theme, Ko the Mouse. Let's give it a listen.
the theme of K.O. the Mouse, which I gotta say, uh, I'm torn because uh, I really enjoyed Little Samson's theme, uh, but K.O.'s theme is also pretty good. I, I enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, for me, though, this song sounds more like it'd be fit be fitting uh, an underwater level or something like it just has that like underground or underwater kind of feel to it. I don't know if you felt that, too. I know. I think I think that I would agree with that, uh, which I think thematically plays pretty well with a mouse character. Right. Yeah, I suppose it's, you know, maybe not yeah. underwater. I, you know, I don't think uh, <laughs> uh, mice prefer to swim. Uh, but uh but yeah, like certainly like that underground kind of a dingier theme almost. Yeah. I. Uh, but yeah, that is the the music for uh, Little Samson, which I. Uh, it's quite good. Uh, I I enjoy it though. It's certainly I guess it's it's maybe not like the the finest pieces of music on the system. It's all in all, Little Samson is kind of an odd curiosity to me because it's maybe not the best platforming, maybe not the best graphics. Maybe not the best music. It's not the best at any one thing, but it's so oddly expensive uh, that it just kind of blows my mind. Yeah, it's still, and a lot of people just don't understand the price. Like, I definitely don't understand why it's shot so much in price, up in price. Because I remember it was like one day, like several years ago, uh, I was just like searching rare video games and little Samson came up. And at this time, I didn't know how expensive it was. And it it was like selling for like 500 bucks. I was like, oh, my God, I got a game that sells for 500 bucks. I remember I nervously like came home that day and like slowly opened up the, the game because I wanted to make sure it wasn't like a fake or anything like that. And it was so relieved when it was a real one. Uh-huh. And I like I took it off of the shelf with the rest of the games and put it in a tin off to the side. So nothing would happen to it. And that's where it's been. I do play it. I do take it out and play it. I, there's no point in having the game if you don't play it. True. But I do not put it with the rest of them. It needs to be safely set aside just in case. You never know. You never uh, know. Yeah. So, so Glitch, what would you say your final thoughts on Little Samson are? Uh, um, so I think everyone should play this. It, it, it handles so well for an NES game. Uh, and it, it's kind of like a, a hidden gem. When I, uh, back when we used to do blogs here a lot on GameZilla, I actually made a top 10 hidden gems list. Uh, so if you guys want to check that out, go. I put little Samson on there. I give like a short detail of why I love it so much, uh, along with nine other games. Uh, but that's always just been like one of those. Nobody ever talked about it growing up, but it was so great of a game that just kind of got swept under the rug and turns out now it's a super darn expensive game. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird because uh, Little Samson has gone from, and I mean, it's sort of the nature of the internet. Uh, I, I think you can argue that there is no such thing as a hidden gem in any video game systems lineup considering that the internet allows everyone to talk about all these games all the time. And, you know, so it's little Samson's in an odd place where it's heavily desired. It's very expensive. Uh, But you're right. Like not a lot of people have played it. And I think that you can argue the flip side of, of my, you know, point that because not many people have played it, does that make it a hidden gem? Even if everyone knows it. And so, yeah, I I think that uh, uh, it's definitely a game worth playing playing it's certainly an incredibly interesting game i uh, but i don't know that i recommend paying the prices you're gonna see on ebay no, definitely definitely find a way to play it is my recommendation i don't recommend anyone to spend the money for it because who knows game prices go crazy and just to kind of put this out there there's a game on the atari 2600 mm-hmm. it's called halloween it's based off the film and its prices go up and down so much there was a point in like july of like 2008 where it was 500 dollars for a loose cartridge and then by september it was 14 dollars what so don't ever <laughs> overpay for a video game <laughs> they go up and they go down this game definitely has done that before it's been it's been over a thousand and then come back down under a thousand before and i'm sure it'll do it again so be on the lookout if you want a physical copy take your time Uh, Or, you know, there's always the the sort of lottery uh, uh, method where you just go garage sailing and you pray that someone was crazy enough to just be like, I'm selling all my 
Einstein's old Nintendo <laughs> tapes. And then, Little Craig doesn't need these anymore. And then when you see that lady, when you lock eyes with her and she's like, oh, this stupid woman gave me all these Nintendo tapes for free because my son barely had any. She stole them from her own son to give these to me. But I'm selling them for chump change. You give them back to me. I deserve those tapes, all right? <laughs> those Nintendo tapes is mine. I, I don't know why I like calling Nintendo tapes tapes when they're cartridges and it annoys gamers. I don't understand why I do that, but uh, sometimes I like to do that. Uh, I think that's an acceptable name. I wouldn't I wouldn't call you out for something like that. They, they could be called tapes. I, I agree. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, it it kind of hurts me when I hear someone say like, oh, you're going to play one of those Sega tapes? It's like, oh, it's a uh, game cartridge, not a I don't know that I would call it a tape, but all right, whatever. I, uh, because sometimes I like to get under my own skin, apparently. Uh, a glitch. You're not one, Craig, but we know that already. That's fair. That's, that's <laughs> very fair. Uh, glitch, what do you say? We uh, go ahead and jump into this week's retro relapse. Let's do it. Jones in for a classic game. It's time for retro relapse on the Legend of Retro Podcast. <laughs> So I got to pick the game this week. Yeah, you sure um, did. No, I uh, I don't know why I allowed that to happen. Uh, I've actually been trying to get a copy of this cartridge for a little while. It's it's kind of like been selling for like 15, 20 bucks, not like fourteen hundred. I mean, who would ever pay? Who would ever buy a ridiculous game for that price? But anyways, yeah. Uh, uh, I've been watching this game for so long because I really wanted you guys to do this back. You know, when we used to record retro relapse. And I was like, whatever, I'll see if Craig wants to play this. And uh, so we played Hattress on the NES. Yeah, so uh, Hattress is a uh, Nintendo game. Uh, it's very important that you know that it's from Bulletproof Software, uh, partially because their logo caught me off guard. I don't know why. Uh, but also, uh, it was on the Nintendo. There's like an arcade version, Game Boy uh, and uh, I do believe the Nintendo version came out in what 1990. Uh, I do not know. I think it's 1990. I I do know that uh, Bulletproof Games also did a game called Pipe Dreams, which I do have. You've ever played that game? Pipe Dreams. I feel like I have. That sounds familiar. And you may have played like a different variation of this game. It's essentially where like you have a bunch of pipes and you got to connect them to draw. You know to have the water connect to a pipe at the end of the, you know, like on the bottom right corner of the screen. That sounds familiar. I, I don't yeah. know that I've played it recently by any means, but it sounds immensely familiar. Well, I think it's one of those games that's just been like, they changed the way, like kind of like Angry Birds was like several different kinds of a game before it was Angry Birds kind yeah. of thing. So uh, the this is a puzzle game where hats fall down in sets of two, they're different hats like bowlers and cowboy hats and top hats. And you have to stack the hats up to what, uh, four or five? I think five. Yeah. Yeah. Five. And then once you do the, the pile of hats falls off the little person's head. Uh, this is the illusion I had uh, uh, dropped earlier. If you guys didn't quite catch that, me making a, a joke about uh, putting hats on people's heads. Anyway, I, uh, but I, yeah, it's it's just a pretty basic puzzle game. But what caught me off guard is I was playing it and I was like, this is Yoshi's cookie. Like, this is just Yoshi's cookie. What is going yeah. on? Uh, and I took a look while uh, uh, we were preparing for this episode. And normally I don't typically do that uh, with retro relapse. I usually just wing it on those. You know, why, why take extra time if I don't got to uh, for research, <laughs> right? Right, Glitch? You're not wrong. And so, uh, uh, lo and behold, Nintendo got a hold of Bulletproof Software and, like, licensed out their, like, game formula and slapped Nintendo characters on it and made Yoshi's Cookie. This is basically just y Yoshi's Cookie, the prototype. Well, not Yoshi's Cookie, Yoshi for the NES. Is that the game you're thinking of? Uh, Yoshi's Cookie is a different... Uh... I know what game you're thinking of. I'm pretty sure it's Yoshi. Oh, just you know Yoshi. what? I think you're right. I think it yeah. is just called. Yoshi. And I was actually when before you started that sentence, I was looking up to see when Yoshi was was, was released. 
because I was curious. I was like, man, uh, Hatchers came out in 90. Then uh, what did Yoshi come out? And sure enough, yeah, it came out 92 in the United States. 91 yeah. in Japan. Uh, That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I because honestly, I was playing it and Yoshi uh, is probably one of my favorite uh, puzzle games. I, I, you know, it's not especially difficult, but I rather enjoy it. And so I, yeah, it it was just one of those things where I I started playing this Hattress and I was like, yeah, this isn't bad. I can live with this. Yeah, so essentially you get different variations of hats and you got to stack the same style hat. And once you stack five, it disappears and it goes on forever. I don't know. I never got to I never got to a point where the game ended. You never do with these kind of puzzle games. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's honestly a, a super simple game, but it's it's totally adequate. It's fine. It's it is it is proto Yoshi. Uh, so glitch, what do you uh, uh, give it on the eight uh, bit scale? Um, I you know, I'm having a really hard time wanting to, to rate this one because on one hand, I thought the music was great. I mean, they had good gameplay. There wasn't a part where I was like, oh, that's crap. Why didn't that hat go in this spot or anything like that? Uh-huh. Uh, and it was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, six and a half, maybe. Yeah, uh, I think six and a half. So I, the way I look at it is I like the music in Yoshi better. I like the aesthetics in Yoshi better. I think the controls are just as good in Yoshi. I uh, although it's slight, there's a slight variation because uh, uh, isn't in Yoshi you change what's on the bottom and the things float, you know, from the, the top. So, like, it's certainly not exactly the same. But for me, it's like the beta version of Yoshi. Uh, so I'm going to go a four out of eight. I'm going to go straight down the middle. It's it's adequate. It's fine. Music's OK. The graphics aren't terrible. But, like, there's a better version of this game that you can play on the same system from you know nintendo themselves technically you know uh so yeah i i think that it's it's don't let that steer you away i think it's definitely worth playing uh but it's a poor man's yoshi all valid points i'm changing mine to a four (laughs) you convinced me congratulations hatteras you sure are mediocre which honestly for retro relapse, let's face it, that's actually you should get you like a blue ribbon because we played so much garbage for retro relapse. I I I'm gonna try and get you guys some better games. I, I, I wanted to hold all the really bad stuff for when we record, but I don't think we're I don't know how that the fate of that is anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough in coronavirus pandemic times. Uh you know, when that all first started, we were like, yeah, we'll be back to recording in a couple months. No big deal. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, now it's been uh, over. Oh, no, uh, not quite a year. We're, we're going on a year. Yeah. Don't don't cancel your video game charity tournament. Just push it back a couple months and uh, push it back a couple more months. Yeah. I just, I just cancel it. I just cancel it. Yeah. I, I actually distinctly remember that uh, conversation with you as a quick sidebar. Uh, me sending you a message of me being like, uh, so are you just going to cancel this? And you're like, no, man, I'm just pushing it to like September. And I was like, <laughs> all right, man. I mean, just, you know, I, I just, I'm getting a bad feeling about this. And you're like, no, 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 no. It, You know, it's going to wrap up soon. Right. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I thought so too, but like, I'm still doing the intermission for noobs and dragons. And, uh, yeah, it's just keeps going and going. Oh, 2020. Oh, that year. Uh, well, let's go ahead and put Hattress and the year 2020 behind us and uh, get on to a very exciting uh, round in our music bracket. Oh, oh, glitch. Yep. We have uh, two really solid songs. Every uh, week. Every single week. I why did we do that? Why did we agree to do this? Chris? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it sounded with... so good on paper, but then once we had to, once we came up with the realization, we had to pick between two Mega Man songs. It's not as easy as you think. Uh, honestly, I blame it on the Brutish One 
Uh, because <laughs> in the moment that I thought that I could mess with him by putting out this music bracket and voting on it, I was like, yeah, guys, let's do this. And everyone else was like, yeah, yeah, we should do it. And I was like, yeah, take that to Brutish One. Uh, and then he ended up winning the last <laughs> band bracket. It's so marvelous. Uh, getting ahead of myself, though. Getting a little too excited. Uh, our first song from Mega Man and Bass. Composed by Toshihiko Horiyama, Naoshi Mizuta, and Akari Kaida, who I've said it before and I'll say it again, is one of the people I love the most in the video game composing world. Uh, we have the theme of Cold Man. Let's give it a listen. <laughs> Which is real good. Yeah, I love that we got a lot of SNES tracks on this on this bracket because they're they're one of those like not really chatted about, but they they are so great. Oh yeah, they're they're phenomenal. I uh, you know a, a lot of people will hail you know the Nintendo uh, Mega Man songs as like you know ah they're the past everything else stinks, and like I kind of get it to a degree because you know Mega Man and two and three had like so many great songs. And the rest of the Nintendo Mega Man games have a great, you know, menagerie of songs to choose from. Uh, but I really like Seven and Mega Man and Bass's music. I think that they did a great job. Uh, but next up, going against Cold Man, uh, is sort of a return to form uh, with Mega Man 9, composed by Ippo Yamada, Ryo Kawakami, Yu Shimoda, and Hiroki Isogai. Uh, we have the theme of Concrete Man. Let's go ahead and give it a listen.
is the theme of Concrete Man. I I would say it's funny. Mega Man 9 is a prime example of how you can take a retro game and remake it and still have like that same feeling of the music from the originals. They did oh. such a great job. Yeah, absolutely. The the music in Mega Man 9 and 10, uh, you know, that that like, you know, NES style. Because it's I don't I could be crazy, but I don't think Mega Man 9 and 10 are necessarily bound by the limitations of such hardware. It's just that they emulated that style and uh they knocked it out of the park. Like it's it's phenomenal. You know, the music oh, yeah. in nine and ten is so good. And uh yeah, Concrete Man is, you know. One of the bangers of uh, Mega Man Nine, so uh, this is going to be a uh, uh, an interesting matchup. I think I'm I'm curious to see, you know, because let's face it, Nine in in later installments, Ten in our you know our brackets case, uh, don't, they don't really have nostalgia behind them. You know, they they have maybe the the style is nostalgic, uh, and so I'm going to be interested to see what. You know how this pans out with a game like Mega Man and Base versus Mega Man Nine. Yeah, that's an interesting observation because yeah, there a lot of people do kind of not intentionally vote for nostalgia, like you know, like how they're feeling is like, oh, this brings back a lot of memories. Whereas nine and ten, these entries, it is yeah, more fresh and it's not as got that nostalgia feeling. But um, Craig, if someone did know who they wanted to vote for, uh, where do they go to do it? Yeah, so we have quite a, uh, a lot of avenues for voting, and we recommend you do them all. Uh, we have our Facebook page. Uh, we, for a while there, we're having you go to the group because they got rid of polls. Now we just do emoji polls on our uh, Facebook page. So go ahead and uh, join there. Our Twitter account, uh, you can find us there. Uh, we also have our uh, uh, Discord I had mentioned it earlier. You go to GameZillaMedia.com. Uh, there's a link to the Discord. You join us, chat about uh, uh, retro gaming. And of course, every week we have a poll there. And then uh, uh, we also have, there's no voting on it, uh, but we do have an Instagram account. So track us down there if you want to see us uh, uh, posting stuff about uh, old video games. And uh, the final way to vote is on Patreon.com slash GameZillaMedia. If you give as little as $1 per month, you get access to an extra vote there as well. But, uh, Glitch, what else can our uh, fans of Legend of Retro do uh, when it comes to Patreon? Yeah, uh, so there is great content at the $1 level. But if you increase, like uh, our friend Super Lars has done recently, so thank you, Super Lars, for increasing your patronage. Um, at the $5 mark, you get additional episodes from each of the shows on the network um, we bring you once a month game shark so during these episodes we talk about non non-game topic stuff so like you know like our top five favorite you know eventually we'll probably do dragon quest or something like that but we also do our our drafts second halves of our top lists that we do towards the end of the season so you get all these like hidden great content uh just for as little as five dollars a month and you get everything from the months prior so you know there's no limit to the the content that we give uh it's a great value and we appreciate every dollar we get absolutely and uh for those of our uh, fans who are already patrons or those considering becoming patrons uh you know let us know uh when it comes to game shark topics what are you interested in uh glitch brought up uh top five dragon quest games that's something we haven't done but does it sound interesting if so let us know uh, you know, when it comes to uh, topics like that for the bonus shows on the uh, uh, our Patreon page, you know, we're we're happy to do it if there's a demand for it. So, you know, keep us posted about uh, topics that you might be interested in hearing us chat about that, you know, isn't just us covering a uh, video game like we typically do on Legend of Retro. Yep. And uh, I think that's going to do it. Right, Craig? I, uh, we uh, we, def- uh, you know, we defeated the Dark Prince, uh, you know. I, th- I don't think there's going to be a, a dark prince is going to take his place, is there? <laughs> I, I should have known. <laughs> that's hilarious. Who would ever do that? <laughs> well, I think that's it. Uh, we will all see you next time when the legend, legend continues. continues. 
Was that weird? Did I do that weird? Uh, the legend continues part? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. If you want to say it again, say it again. I ain't going to stop you. Yeah, it seemed kind of like odd. I don't know. I'm sure it's fine. So we're done? Yeah, sure. You're positive? I don't know. Should I redo it? No, I, I, I'm still recording this, so I'm just screwing around with you. So if, uh, you know. So Xander has to listen to all this and be yeah. like, why is there? Why are they still recording at this point? There he said when the legend continues. Uh-huh, yeah, that, that and if he decided to like, you know, yeah, use this at the end of the episode or Patreon oh, or God. something. But it's honestly uh, oh God, uh, probably kind of boring because it's just me like reiterating over and over. Like, are you sure? You pop- <laughs> and I can't use it, Xander. Sorry. Oh, geez. Oh, poop. For me, it was like a return to the womb. I was impressed by Mother Ocean. Oh, poop.